G'day, welcome to Partakers. This is a series of studies called Luke Looks Back, based in the Gospel of Luke, and is presented to us by Roger Kirby. Over to you, Roger. This is Luke chapter 5, verse 27, through to chapter 6, verse 16. We'll call this the way of Jesus, people and problems. And this first file is number 7a. This passage is a mix of good things about people and some problems Jesus has for us to consider before we start on his positive teaching in the next passage. First is a story of the call of Levi and a strong suggestion that what he did was good. Then two more stories in which Jesus was challenged over the things he did that some people thought he should not do. So, chapter 5, 27 to 32, is about eating with those with whom one should not eat. Chapter 5, verses 33 to 39, is about eating when one should not eat. And chapter 6, verses 1 to 11, is about doing what one should not do. And then finally, Luke gives us the complete list of the apostles. First, Jesus was eating with those with whom one should not eat. Well, according to those we will call the serious, because they were serious about their religion. We read first, then, these verses 27 to 32, eating with those with whom one should not eat. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up and left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, who belonged to their sect, complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Levi seems to be the same person called Matthew in the other Gospels, and therefore the person who wrote what we call Matthew's Gospel. Question 1. What Jesus said to Levi was extremely brief. Just two words, follow me. How does that differ from what one would expect a religious teacher to say to a possible disciple? This is not a call to follow a system, a philosophy, or a religion. It is a straight call to follow one person, Jesus. The true call to discipleship is just the same today. There are many half-hearted Christians in the world today. A good question for them is, do you follow Jesus? Question 2. Meals are particularly important in Luke's Gospel. Only Luke calls this one a great banquet, and says the serious people complained about who was there. Why does Luke emphasise what happened here so much? Luke recognises that, for Jesus, life and faith were all about including people in as much as possible, rather than turning them away as not good enough, 
not learned enough, not old enough, anything else for which people are not enough. Allowing people in like that still often upsets people who consider themselves serious in matters of religion. In the next story, Jesus does not argue against the principles of the law of Moses, but against all the many little rules that people had added to it. He knew that if people are given many rules, they will forget the greater principles they should be thinking about. So concern for all these detailed rules would hide the new things he was teaching, particularly those relating to the work of the Spirit. The challenge to us is to identify which of our rules, written or unwritten, get in the way of what we should really be doing. All too often we continue to do the things that our parents and grandparents decided were the right things to do when they were young. But the world we are living in is changing all the time, perhaps faster than it has ever done before. The things that are not part of the necessary centre of our faith may need to be changed. Jesus explains that in some very vivid and exciting short sayings. So we read chapter 5, verses 33 to 39, about eating when one should not eat. They said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours go on eating and drinking. Jesus answered, Can you make the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. In those days they will fast. He told them this parable. No one tears a patch from a new garment and sews it onto an old one. If he does, he will have torn the new garment, and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one, after drinking old wine, wants the new, for he says, the old is better. Question 3. What would you identify as your problems, as a group or as an individual? What are your old wineskins that need to be changed? How and in what way? The answers to both this and the next question are going to depend very much on your circumstances. Jesus said, the old wine is better. He's being sarcastic. He knows many think old things are better than new things, as old wine is better than new wine. But he is challenging his followers to new and better things. Question four. What are the things that tend to prevent you, together or individually, moving on to the new and better things of faith? Remember, Paul said, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. The last two stories, chapter 6, verses 1 to 5, and verses 6 to 11, are both about Sabbath keeping. The Sabbath was the Saturday, religious day, of the Jews. The early Christians changed their day of celebration to Sunday, the first day of the week, 
in memory of the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, This Sabbath-keeping was one of the three things. The other two were keeping the food laws and circumcision that Jews of that time did to show that they really were the people of God. We read chapter 6, verses 1 to 11, about doing what one should not do. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the green fields, and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands and eating the kernels. Some of the Pharisees asked, Why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Jesus answered them, Have you never read what David did? When he and his companions were hungry, he entered the house of God, and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for priests to eat, and he also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, he went into the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking, and said to the man with the shriveled hand, Get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and stood there. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? He looked around at them all and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was completely restored. But they were furious, and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. Question 5. What do Christians in your culture do to show that they are Christians? In particular, what things do they do that are really just a matter of custom and tradition, and not really necessary to show they are Christians? Are those things good things of themselves, or do they really hinder other people becoming Christians? Uh, Those are more questions which only you can answer. Question six. What did Jesus think about Sabbath-keeping? What did Jesus think was more important than rules like that? What would Jesus think about the rules you have identified in your world? Micah, an Old Testament prophet, said, What does the Lord desire of you? To act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And said that the Lord did not want offerings and sacrifices. Although Jesus never actually quoted those words, He often alluded to them. Finally, we come to where Jesus chose and appointed his disciples. We read chapter 6, verses 12 to 16. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, 
he called his disciples to him and chose twelve of them, whom he also designated apostles, Simon, whom he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Of those twelve men, only one, John, is certainly known to have died of old age. Peter was crucified upside down, because he did not want to be crucified the same way up as Jesus, in Rome. Thomas probably got the furthest, and was killed in South India. The rest died here and there in the ancient world, as they proclaimed the good message of Jesus. Question 7. In calling the twelve, Jesus commissioned them not only to action on his behalf, but imitation of him in both life and work. So it is today. Which part of the Christian way do you find most difficult? And here this study ends. Thanks, Roger. This series is on every Sunday, but as usual on Partakers, www.partakers.co.uk, there is something new available every day to inspire your Christian life.